It's quite nice up here on on cloud nine berth. I'm still still there after after the weekend, after an unbelievable occasion. Not just game, but occasion at Twickenham. Where are you, cloud sort of nine, or, or drifting down somewhat? Yeah, no, I think definitely drifting down. But I've not actually sat down for a minute and actually you know processed the whole thing. Um, it's been such a whirlwind, hasn't it, this week and the momentum on the back of it. Yeah, it, it was mega. Such a great weekend. Um, and, yeah, I think the recognition of all the hard work that went into getting it there over all that time, I suspect everybody's taking a bit of a rest. Um, but, yeah, not being able to really process all of it yet. Yeah, there's a lot of beat shots on social media from, from various races, aren't they? Uh, and rightly so. Uh, the girls have got themselves off uh, away for a few days' break before the, the, the league kicks back in because England claimed a uh, second successive Grand Slam with a 38-33 win over France at Twickenham in front of nearly 59,000 people. Wales beat Italy 36-10 over in Parma. Scotland with victorious 36-10 over Ireland. That meant that Wales were third in the championship Ireland, bottom of the pile, with a points difference of minus 167 points. Uh, and we'll go into WXV3, which we'll tell you about a little bit later as well. There's some news there. Record crowds, obviously for England, Scotland, Wales, Italy and France. It just keeps taking steps up. But I just wonder but whether you thought... This step's actually a little bit bigger than, than we're anticipating this Six Nations. Um, I, I in a good know. way, it's a really positive. Yeah, thing. yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, we obviously saw good momentum last year from, from the Six Nations. We saw the great crowds that were turning out. Um, obviously, there's been more professionalism going into the game. Then we had the World Cup. So I don't know if it was a surprise. I think probably the Twickenham one is the big surprise, the the numbers and the figures that they got to, you know, originally started at like trying to get to 30,000. Then they saw what New Zealand did at the World Cup and wanted to beat that. And, and then they completely exceeded that. So I, I think elements definitely um, have exceeded kind of those expectations and, and taken more than one step. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. I just 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 the whole occasion from arriving there. Yeah, we did the live show on Friday night, which was absolutely great fun. Lily Corson was an absolute hoot. Um and then Her Majesty uh arrived, didn't she? Um uh, Sarah Hunter. Um uh, but yeah, just everyone who came along to that great, great fun. Thank you so much. And a massive, massive thank you to uh Stewie Green and his Cabbage Patch team. Really, really lovely, accommodating bunch as ever. Um, yeah, the yeah, weekend, didn't he? <laughs> boy, boy, didn't he? I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, it was rammed afterwards with Red Roses royalty everywhere and there's various parties and, yeah, you know, a big deal in the morning and what have you and loads of faces there. And I, Twickenham was an absolute wash. And the traffic sign saying crowd disruption and all road disruption because of the crowd. It was just a phenomenal weekend. And, you know, they've had similar up in Scotland. You know, great crowds in, in Wales as well. It has been... I would say women's rugby has arrived, but it, it's a it's a it's a really really good step, but possibly a little bit higher. We've sort of just tripped over slightly, but um, what uh, what amazing Six Nations! We're going to do a Six Nations team of the tournament a little bit later on, um, but first we're going to catch up with all the news, and there's plenty of it here on the Women's Rugby Pod. 
We have to start first with the news. Yes, they were recording Friday morning. The Red Roses coaching team has been announced. John Mitchell, the former England men's assistant coach, New Zealander, has also had spells at Ireland, at Sale, Was here in England, the Chiefs back at home, the, the All Blacks, Wakato, Western Force in Australia, Lions Africa, USA, and the Bulls. And is currently Japan's defence coach which has its own logistical problems, which we'll get into. Lewis Deacon stays on as sports coach, take up interim head coach, while John Mitchell is away with Japan at the World Cup. Lou Meadows is promoted from the under-20s head coach role to the attack coach. Easy enough for me to say, the attack coach. Our very own Sarah Hunter has become a transition coach for both senior teams and pathway programme. Charlie Hayter becoming full-time head of women's performance. Your initial thoughts, Rachel Burford? Yeah, well, I think it was a, a big shock to everybody, wasn't it, that it was coming, it came out a bit earlier than what the RFU probably expected it to. Um, John Mitchell, obviously, you know, he I've heard like really good stuff around his like technical and tactical ability um, and, you know, the amount of environments he's been in you'd like to think that he's going to pick all the best things from that and then bring it into the red rose um environment i think it's disappointing but you know partly you know understandable anybody of kind of that high cal- caliber is going to have or already be in a contract um so being able to get access to them is going to probably be challenging um especially when he's involved in the men's pinnacle in the world cup guess it shows, you know, he wants to fulfill that role first before stepping into another one. But it it does obviously put the Red Roses in a, in not a great position, you know, another, obviously a lot of people talked about uh, post-work Rugby World Cup, there should have been a new coach, get that campaign under their belt, um, new coaching. They didn't do that. And then, but then now potential that he's not also going to be part of the build up to WXV. So it means he's probably really starting to embed his post for the next six nations. And that kind of leaves three tournaments before a world cup. So yeah, I think it's, it's challenging with the timing, but you know, he's somebody completely different, completely new, you know, he doesn't know any of the players or, or and, I, and I'm speaking from a point of, you know, when I've been coached, they've known who you are or or you've had some connection with them beforehand, um, whereas this is completely unknown. So I think that breeds a bit of excitement uh, and could, you know, take the Red Roses on a different direction. Yeah, I think there'd be plenty of sharp intakes of breath, um, you know, from, from being around the, the, the game, like you say, um, you know, John Mitchell, reputation is a, a very hard edge coach. Um, he strongly believes in what he believes and, and doesn't falter for that. And, yeah, that's um, positive and a, and a negative in some instances. Not being available um, till Japan get themselves out of a World Cup. They haven't got the hardest of pools, so you may well be called a final. You know, looking at last World Cup, certainly a hugely improved team. As you say, those weekends of the WXV, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute, um, it, that's very difficult. I, I saw him at Twickenham. For the for the Grand Slam game, three rows in front, and I, I literally didn't put two and two together, just because I I just didn't think of him in that in that frame at all. Um, it is it is from left field, and I think for me the key appointment is is Sarah Hunter. It it's a it's a big old ask, 
but I think she's she's there as a sort of culture minister for for the Red Roses, which somebody may have mentioned before might be a, a useful role for for her to have. Yeah, I think you know it is a it is a big role, um, and she lied to us. Let's just put that on record. When we asked if she had any plans, she said no. Um, it didn't definitely didn't happen the day after. But um, yeah, no. Look, I think you know, obviously, she's got so much experience, playing experience, and involvement across the the squad. And I think with the, his absence as well over the next what is it? I don't even know how many months it is. Seven eight months that she's going to be in there trying to kind of bring people together. Um, transition coach, I think is an interesting one where, you know, they're going to start looking at maybe a model where they have some younger players that will be often with the senior squad or, or the future of Red Roses and embedding them and, and developing them. And I think like, you know, she'll be a great role for, for that. Another thought that, that, that crossed my mind is potentially, I don't know how long the, the contract is and the, the other bonkers thing is uh, I understand possibly there's some complications with with, with Japan, um, but we're not going to get to speak to him until he's finished with Japan. It was a media team, not not even a sort of you know, a, a quick zoom. Yeah, you know, delighted to be here, all the rest of it, which I find just absolutely bonkers, absolutely bonkers, um, very very strange indeed. So yeah, there's a few press peeps trying to trying to press that cause. Whether he's just a just a but. A stopgap, get us to the World Cup, get a hard edge, because yeah, he does have a you know a back catalogue of places he's been, and that sort of can say things, can't it? Um, you know, certainly as a player, if you move on every season, every other season, it kind of possibly there's some reservations about choosing people like that, and, and whether yeah, it's just a short term thing. Get us to the World Cup, get a hard edge. To, to, to go and win a home World Cup and then we'll, we'll see where we are whether Lou Meadows or Sunter or another female then comes in after that just a thought yeah look, ultimately England want to win the next World Cup and they've got to find a way they have to, to do that yeah they and I to. think you know in my mind I feel like you know John Mitchell's probably very similar to Simon Middleton um, so where are they kind of expecting that that gap to in order to win that World Cup final against whoever, um, are they relying on Sarah Hunter and Lou Meadows to to bring that difference of change? Um, I, I don't know John Mitchell, and I don't know his coaching style, and I don't know him personally, so I could be like totally wrong on my assumption there. Um, but yeah, I think they ultimately have have seen something that they think right. This is what will help us get over that that over the edge. Um, and that's the route that they've gone for. I mean, we all know uh, about England's dominance up front. The attack coach was going to be a, a key appointment in, in my mind, anyway. Um, is, is is that a right right choice? Look again, I don't I don't know Lou's background. I know that she's done some work. I think it was at Scottish, and she's obviously been in, involved in the under twenties. Um, I think it's a massive role because that's been an area that England have been really, really criticised over. Um, you know, it's a strong group of characters, that back line, um, and how she manages that and how she integrates into it will be really, really interesting and how she may evolve the way that the England are attacking. And I don't just mean like backline play. I mean, like general attacking um, play across the game, like what's going to be their structure. Is it going to be, 
similar to what we've already seen or is there going to be some new nuances within that um but yeah I think it's a massive role um and you know she's pretty inexperienced like young should I say young in her coaching in your coaching years um so yeah it will be fascinating to see how she develops and, and how she goes yeah I couldn't agree with you more huge congratulations to her that that, that pathway of coaches yeah that's certainly that 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 box kit ticked. Um, all really, really fascinating stuff. And it just just keeps rolling this week. Gallagher piled in, haven't they? Uh, the global insurance company has come on board as an official partner for women's rugby and rugby world cup 2025. They'll also be an official partner of the WXV uh this year and next year, in addition. Insurers will also be the founding partner of a new Women's High Performance Academy, a leadership and a development program set up by World Rugby. The deal is described as a three-year, multi-million pound commitment. That's great news. Um, And then WXV, the details, which we've all been waiting for patiently, uh, have come out. New Zealand will host WXV1 on the weekends of 21st, 28th of October and the 4th of November. Of course, it's a six-team league with England, France and Wales and top three nations from the Pacific Four. Cape Town in South Africa will host WXV2, which, of course, includes Scotland. Nice to have some details on that berth. But immediately you go straight to that's clashing with the Men's World Cup. Yeah, and I think, you know, some of the frustrations for everybody is, you know, waiting on the announcement and all the information. But, you know, I personally know there's been a lot of challenges for them to be able to get to that point. Um, yeah, and it's well recognised. Can you go into that? No. Um, go on. No. And no. Um, so basically, you know, <laughs> World Rugby do recognise that there is a clash and, you know, that's why there's a lot of work going on to really analyse and look at the global calendar for the women and making sure that, you know, does a clash, a clash might work, it might not work. So I think we've got to recognise like that we need to establish what, what the global calendar should look like for the women's game. I think the WXEV was always going to be reviewed annually to make sure, you know, that it's, it's doing what, what the purpose of it is, which is to create those high level of competitive competition to enhance performance ahead of world cups. And yeah, I'm mega excited for it. I think all the players will be, it's a new competition. You know, who doesn't want to go to Cape town or South Africa uh, level three is yet to to be confirmed, but yeah, I think it's a, a hugely exciting opportunity. Yes, like any normal competition, new non- competition, there's going to be some teething problems and some flaws to to work out. But but yeah, can't wait for for November. And you know, I think they'll be really clever around kickoff schedules to make sure that everybody who's in France watching the World Cup and have an appetite to watch the women's game can also do so. So yeah, looking forward to it. I very much hope so, um, being out in, in France or some of that. And I, I also think in the men's game, oh, Six Nations fixtures are announced you know, 12 months before. Blah, blah, blah. This is a really new game, and, it, and it's still a really new game, despite you know, the events that took him at the weekend. It's still a really new game. And actually, Will Robbie just want to just take a moment, just 
just to get it right or put the right things they feel in place, then let's do that. I, I kind of like the fluid aspect of it. The fact, as you say, review each year, it won't get that right. No, well, let's let's try this. Uh, and I think we all need to just just be a little bit, uh, yeah, empathetic that this yeah. is new and it, we're able to, it's malleable because it's so new. And actually in that instance, therefore you hope we do get it right or majority of it right. It's never going to please everyone all of the time. But um, no, look, it, it's it's the bottom line. It's a, it's a global calendar for women's international rugby, um, which the aim is, this is uh, directly from Dom Rumbles, isn't it? This is a new international competition aimed at increasing the competitive reach and impact of elite women's rugby. And hopefully, and, and everything's pointing, that it's going to do exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, it's it's a big amount of investment as well. Like the the focus to, towards the WXV, we, we can't continue just to see England and France and New Zealand get better and better and, and everybody else not. And, and let's remember also how you get into WXV. We obviously had all of the excitement around the weekend because it, it, the final rounds of your regionals really matter because then that qualifies you into WXV, which then that's where your qualifications from Rugby World Cup happen. So you talk about impact generally around the world that means unions have to invest in cycles now. They can't just go, right, we're going to focus on the Six Nations and have a really good campaign and then we'll switch off till next year. Actually, it's got to be all year round, which is perfect and ultimate for the players to have that kind of understanding of what they're going to be doing, what the investments are, where they're putting the money into, when contracts are coming in. You know, unions can actually have a proper plan um, as opposed to just always... You know, those some nations always organising their own fixtures or autumn internationals or summer tours. Now, actually, it's it, we've got two fixed windows moving forward, which is so, so important for the game. Yeah, a framework and some fluidity within that, almost like the best coaches. Perfect little analogy. Um, anyway, WXV coming at you later in the year. Let's catch up with the rest of the news. I'm Shani Williams, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. On Sunday, the Junior Cup competitions were decided at Twickenham. In the Junior Cup, Dings Crusaders beat Liverpool St. Helens women 12-24. And in the intermediate level, Cheltenham ladies' second team overcame Hackney ladies 36-22. And in the championship final, not what the scriptwriters wanted with Leicester as one of the new teams for next season's Premier 15s. Cheltenham defended their title, winning comprehensively 27-17. Awesome day for those players to, to play at Twickers. Long day for you in the comms box. <laughs> but um, I, I suspect joyous players, wherever you, wherever you looked. Yeah, it was it was an incredible day. There was a really good crowd and it kind of built throughout the day. And I just want to note the conversion kick in at that level, was top-notch. So, yeah. Anyway, just put that in there. Also... Which the group has been working with Chatham, isn't he? They work hard on that stuff. And in the cup final here in England, Exeter retained their title, beating Saracens 29-19 in front of more than 3,000 fans at Sandy Park. Clee Maloney with two tries and deserved Player of the Match award. Congratulations to Exeter again. Yeah, congratulations to Clean Maloney. 
but not not picked on form. Um, hmm. Speaking of uh, Ireland, IRFU press statement was released on Tuesday, noting that the union and head coach Greg McWilliams are in ongoing conversations following reports he was to stand down from the role. Smoke and mirrors, I'm not sure. Um, now claims to Kevin Potts and the IRFU chief exec that the union is far more inclusive than is portrayed by some. I don't know. I know Greg is. I do. He's not going to. Yeah, he's going to see something through. And I just wonder whether he's just sort of right sort stuff out. Otherwise, I'm I'm off. And I, I, I don't know. I hope it's that. Anyway, um, the story will rumble on. Sadly for the players. How about the international news? Yes. Well, it's been announced this week that world and Olympic champion Ruby Tui will be playing in the US this summer in the Premier Rugby Sevens. It's a multi-tournament competition which men's and women's teams will compete for one trophy. More to come on that one in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Ian Apper on the pod uh, in a couple of weeks' time to uh, tell us all about that. I know you are probably got some views on it as well, Berth. Down the other side of the world, Super W. These are fabulous games. I watched the, the highlights of these games. They're absolutely sensational. Australia will will be a force to be reckoned with the WXV. Um, the semi-finals were at the weekend of the Concord Oval in Sydney. Queensland booked their place in the final, beating the Brumbies 23-20 in a thrilling match. Uh, Helena Young, Fijian sprint champion, scored a, a couple of tries. She is wheels. Uh, certainly a name to remember. But it was New Zealand fly-half, Karis Dillinger, who kicked the winning penalty on the 89th minute. They will meet Fijiana Drua, who beat New South Wales Waratahs in another close game, 17-20. Drua centre, Vani Vanga dotted down twice. So Queensland Reds and reigning champions Fiji Drua will battle it out for the Super W title on Saturday, May 6th, at the Queensland Country Bank Stadium and televised on Stan Sport. Yeah, it's great to see like another competition just kicking on. Properly kicking on. Yeah. So, a lot of people I, are talking about how the Australian selection is going to be really tough and it's all based around this competition and the advances that it's taken. Yeah. I, it's sad it comes down to money, but you know, they got themselves back in the game, haven't they? And I, I suspect World Rugby behind that with the with the various World Cups there and what have you and Lions and what have you. And they're investing in the women's games, um, as are other countries. Yes, and it was great to see Sweden back in action this weekend, playing a non-European opposition for the first time since 2010 at the World Cup. That's bonkers. Played, yeah, it, it sounds mad when you say it like 2010. Um, but they played a higher-ranked team, Hong Kong, on a European tour, and they had to withstand a brilliant comeback from Tamara Taylor's team, who were down at half-time. But it was a late try that sealed it 22-17. So huge congratulations to Tamara Taylor and her team. Well, following on from the first leg last week, the Challenge of the Series was completed in South Africa in the World of Sevens. Um, and the hosts won both legs, confirming their place in the World Series nine years after being relegated. The women bock will again be a core team from next season. It was a fabulous final with Belgium again taking the silver. Who knew? We've got five semi-pro players you invest in it look what happens um funny that <laughs> well let's stay in south africa because the 
Bulls have made history by contracting 35 women for the Bulls Daisies over the next two seasons. This is the first team to be offered professional contracts in South Africa. This squad will compete in the Domestic Interprovincial League. The Women's Premier Division kicks off this weekend with the Golden Lions versus the Eastern Province Queens, Western Province hosting the Sharks and the defending champions Border Ladies start their defence against the Bulls Daisies. As we said, birth, it's a very, very busy time. Regular listeners will know that uh, we do a team of the Six Nations with uh, some pretty highbrow people normally. We do it in conjunction with the Scrum Queens. Hoping to catch up with Ali Donnelly uh, and Sarah Orchard, who was a BBC commentator for it as well, just to make sure they've got everything right. We're going to do our selection now as a, as a WRP team. Uh, Berth. It's tough. It's tough. Where do you want to start? In the back line, forwards? Let's go 1 to 15, shall we? Yeah. Hit me. Who's your loose head? Ireland, Linda Dugan. 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 Yeah. I mean, you're not the only person to get it wrong all tournament. Um, Gwenny P. Mm, good shout. Good shout. Very consistent. Um, I mean, I thought Hannah Bottom incredible impact, but just hasn't played enough to yeah. warrant the selection. But I think alongside you know, Kelsey Jones and Cecilia Tuopolotu, that has been a formidable pack. Uh, and when their lineup has has been shaky, certainly their their scrum hasn't. Um, yeah, no, I do hear you. I just feel like you know Linda was so pivotal for the for good go forward for their team. And I think that that's how I kind of look at this sometimes is what else is around them? What, what challenges are they facing, but yet they're still standing out. Um, but Gwenny P is a really good one. I think, yeah, she has been a standout player for Wales, this, this six nations, which we haven't, we haven't seen before. Linda's name is, is often, you know, thrown around. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to, I mean, I don't know if we're debating or we're, Debate it, debate but, yeah. it. Debate. Oh, I, I, I'm not moving from Gwenny P, personally. Okay, it's Gwenny P then. <laughs> no debate. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear you. I, I just think she that there's there's been more impact from from her and 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 as a unit. Um, I'm just looking at her stats. Try against France, couple against Scotland, th- three tries. Yeah, they, they, that, that front row is outstanding against Scotland. Uh, pretty much won them the game. Yeah, front row. We're talking about one player. Yeah, Can't base the front row success but on an individual. On, on the fact that she scored three tries. <laughs> okay. Okay, Gwenny P then. Gwenny P it is, or to give her full title, Gwynhillian Perth. There it is. There it is. Why can't you just say purse? Because Why it's, not like it's like Derby. It's not Dowie, it's Derby. Okay, hooker. Oof, it's tough, isn't it? I, I think or it not. was well, I think there was a lot of good um hookers throughout the six stations. I think Sochat was great. I think Amy Cocaine was good. But for me, Lana Skeldon. I think she was just next level, just her work rate consistently playing like 80 minutes 
Um, you know, her ability around the park, her defence. For me, every game, she was just an absolute workhorse. Zero, zero complaints from me at all. Couldn't agree more. I think Kelsey Jones, has, her game has gone up another level. Um, her ball carrying has been, been really impressive this Six Nations. As you say, honourable mentions for uh, for Solskjaer. Um, mm. But yeah, Lana Skeldon. Um, and she's, how many tournaments has she, she'd been in the reckoning and, and talking about her but um no she's been been absolutely superb this six nation so um yeah lana skeldon gets the nod at two tight head da, da, da. i think there's two obvious ones isn't there burn and tupelotu yeah I, I have both of them down, and I think Cecilia Tupelotu's had an excellent Six Nations. I think she's been brilliant. But I think Sarah Byrne just edges it because of her consistency. Um, we And we also didn't see the best of Cecilia during the England game. Um, and so, you know, recognising that Sarah Byrne probably came out on top in that game and in a bigger fixture, we didn't see the best of Tupelotu. Um, Sarah Byrne gets my nod. I just think, you know, she's just got so good recently in this last year. She's been, you know, last year she had a bit of injury coming back in and out, didn't quite get the form that we'd seen before. And then she's just run right this, this Six Nations, like absolutely run right. She does all the tough, nitty gritty stuff, but then she also does the fancy work in the outside channels. And, and you can see defenders going, oh, God, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, like you're hovering out of the wing, thinking I'm just taking a breather, and then you've got like she's just everything about her is just power, isn't it? She looks powerful. Her gait is powerful. Just and you're like, oh god, really? I agree. Consistently through the tournament, uh, Sarah Byrne for me has been been the best tie head. Cecilia, great start to the tournament, didn't she? That try against Ireland, couple against uh, against Scotland, Um, but yeah, kind of tailed off towards the the end of the, the six nations yeah. she's what 19 yeah exactly yeah so you know there's plenty more to come from her, but certainly uh admirable. she's only she's only recently moved to prop as well didn't she yeah so well the 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 genius is at uh on the fantasy app still ever as a as a as a back yeah. rower um, i think i think you've seen like obviously sarah byrne wasn't always a front row either and i'm not a scrum I don't know much about scrums, but I know it takes a lot out of them. So before when Sarah Byrne kind of went into that slot, you didn't see her often around the park because she was learning that position and scrums were taking so much out of her. Now she's kind of come out to that other side of it where she can manage scrums, but still be able to work rate and the capacity to then also do damage around the park. And I think we saw snapshots of that from Cecilia. And I think, you know, in a year's time, we'll, we'll get the exact same from her as well. I think that's outstanding analysis. Oh, thank you. One well, and a time. Not that I would, you know, <laughs> I'm anyone to, to say whether you're right or wrong, but uh, yeah, in my very <laughs> humble opinion, um, I think I think I think you're absolutely right because that's the bread and butter. You don't want to get that wrong, so the concentration is there. But yeah, it's almost kind of like second nature for her. Let's get into the second row then, after a mm-hmm. front row of uh, Gwenny P. Skeldon and Sarah Byrne. Quite tough. Oh, you've you've got it now down. Who are your two then? I've got either oars on lots of them, but not on the second rows. Oh, interesting. Go on then. I've got George Evans and Zoe Allcroft. 
yeah. So I have both of those. Nice. I have both. I have George Evans highlighted and Zoe Allcroft highlighted. But I think for me, I think Sarah Beckett made such an impact. Even in two games, she made such an impact. Um, so honourable mention to her. And I think Jay Conkle, again, played two games there, made a massive, massive impact. And because the back row is quite tight, yeah. I feel like Jade needs to be in there. But I also think Georgia, Georgia Evans was just an absolute workhorse. Like just the amount of carries and work she got through. She's just got a big engine on it, which you always want from your second row. Um, Zoe Allcroft, definitely just so consistent, so good. Um, but yeah, it's just Jay Conkle. Only played obviously two games, so on that note, I'd probably say George Evans and Zoe Allcroft. Yeah, there are moments of absolute class from 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 Zoe Allcroft. Um, she is a very very complete athlete. I, I just George Evans just huge. I mean the the meterage, uh, ninety six meters against Scotland. Um, Carries just consistently 18, 14, 21 um, throughout the competition. Um, got a try now against France as well. Um, very notable, very clever with the uh, the little hair bow. Um, but yeah, not a natural position. Normally a, a six, but like Jay Conkle, as you say, uh, Beckett can agree with more. Just delight to, to, to see the smiles on her faces and her ever adoring family. God, they're a tight bunch, aren't they? <laughs> Um, absolutely gorgeous to to see their smiles at Twickenham on Saturday. Uh, so honourable mentions for Beck and Conkle, but we we go all Croft Evans, do we? Yeah. Okay. Here we go then into the contentious part. Six, seven, eight. I'll give you yeah, give you the the, the unit. Okay, I'll just give you who I think, and then there might be some. So I would say Escudero. 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 At eight, Molly Packer at seven. And then I'm between Tunisi, Tunisi and Calendar for six. I think Sardia has been great, but these two have really stood out as well. Oh. Mm. I, I also, um, number eight, I, Ireland number eight. I should know this. We played at Quinn's together, but I can't pronounce her name. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think she was really, really good in the last probably three rounds. Um, yeah, really came away, didn't she? Yeah, and considering the size of her, she, you know. And a team go backwards constantly yeah. to, to excel as she did. She did. Uh, you know, Jada played some, some, some rugby at eight. Yeah, she was good. She's always good. Does that count against her, though? <laughs> uh, Menage, very, very effective uh, at eight. Obviously, started on the bench in the second game. Who are non-negotiables? Packer. Packer. Right. Packer's in seven. at seven, then. Yeah. Okay. Kabir um... Tunesi, I thought... Beth and Lewis again, just quietly, really effective. Do we put Calendar six? I just think Calendar, she, her defensive effort 
is unreal. The workload she gets through, the turnover she gets at critical times. And she just she just seems like to never run out of energy. She's just constantly on it. Um Tanisi, I think she had a good Six Nations, some really big hits. Um got good go forward for Italy. Um but yeah, I guess it for me it's between oh, I don't know. It's tough. Casadia did have a great Six Nations as well. Who have you got? Yeah, really good. Um I, I think she did have a, a good uh good Six Nations side of Kabir. Um I I I'm inclined to put Alex Callender in. Um try against Italy, didn't she? One against Ireland. Um and she just constant work rate as as you say. Um and board in hand as well. I think it's re- yeah. that that area of her game has has really improved. Um, it really, really has. And it carried the ball a huge amount against uh, against Italy, um, yeah, and against and against England as well. Um, and she's the forefront of that niggly, narky, mm-hmm. yeah, Annoying. not necessarily, you know, probably slightly smaller physically, but just heart and fight and all the rest of it. She's she's a sort of pinnacle everything that's that's good about the the fighting whales at the moment so um my vote would go for her at six okay and who's your eight mm. uh we've mentioned menager honorable franco have mentioned um i'm with you i think tournacy shame she doesn't get but over calendar or kabir no not really uh escudero would be my would be my eight. She missed out last six nations through injury. Um, so it's a bit of a surprise at the world cup. And she was, I did a few of France's games. She was brilliant. Yeah. Um, six, eight, great, great athlete. Um, seems to have an unbelievable engine. Uh, but Nick Avernus, uh, yeah, grew through the tournament, but quiet start, but consistency. Escudero for me. You happy, with that back, you happy with that back row then? Calendar Packer, Escudero. 100%. Lovely. Halfbacks. Um, I would say Pauline Bourdon for France. Um, Honourable mention to Lucy Packer. Um, I think just the tempo, her quality and accuracy of pass, the speed that she can play at was what unlocked England. But for me, Pauline just edges it because I think she has it in her to just turn a game on its head. She can create something out of nowhere. Um, you know, absolute little genius. Um, so Pauline gets the nod at, at nine. And then Holly Aitchison for me at 10. Jesse Tremelier gets an honourable mention. But I think in terms of consistency, in terms of bringing this new England team or bringing the England team to life, I think she's really unlocked something different within England. Um, yeah, and I think defensively she had a couple of testing moments which she stepped up to. So I think yeah, Holly Hodgson gets the the nod for me. Jesse gets a, a, a mention as well, Tremilier, because we didn't see a lot of her at ten, but when we did, she was she was masterclass. And I think had she played the entire competition at ten, a lot of minutes under her belts, then she could be edging her way in there. Oh, but that performance. For Jesse Tremoulier, 
Um, and she's absolutely bloody. She was great. World, world class. It was against Wales, wasn't it? She was yeah. just utterly imperious. I, I think head to head in that final game, Jesse possibly win. Mm. Any less mistakes from, from Jesse and Holly? She got yellow carded. It's a big she, mistake. <laughs> is it going to come down to a yellow card? Did you lose her head sort of midway through that first half? Um, for the sheer fact that she got a yellow card, uh, Holly Aitken takes the fifty-fifty. <laughs> then does she? Uh, board on. I, I have no no complaints uh, whatsoever. Um, let's go into the centres. Yeah. Um, I think 12, there's only two contenders, Tatiana Hurd and Gabrielle Vernier. Um, but Vernier gets the nod for me. I just think both sides of the ball, she was so good. Um, her offload ability, meters main, defenders beaten. She was just absolute class throughout the whole game. I reckon, sorry, throughout the whole Six Nations, I reckon she maybe had two errors this entire Six Nations, which is saying something. So, yeah. Tats, I think, has had a great tournament, really given England, you know, I don't know what it is, but like just something through the middle, um, really big ball carrier, but really good offloading. And and she's, I would say her game's developing now, knowing when to pass and carry. And we saw a bit of that over this Six Nations. Um, so, yeah, no doubt we'll be talking about her for a very long time. But Gabrielle Vernier for me. I agree with all of that. Um, love chatting to Tatiana's mum, she's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. um, Catching jo- on the way out. Yeah, Hannah Jones is, is going to get a mention for me as well. Just, you never get less than a seven and a half, eight from her. Um, and yeah, her combination with Karen Lake, shame that Karen got, got injured. Um, but yeah, no, Emma wore some, some bright little bits, but, but mm-hmm. got injured again. Um, here's the question then. Vernier, because I expect it's one more likely she could drift out. Could she drift out to 13? No. Check. Okay. No. I Vernier. think, I think every Vernier year. 12, talk, yeah, Vernier at 12. And I think every year we always have this debate about 13. And Skaz always gets the nod. But every year in our conversations is Sillery. And again, she's been excellent for Italy. Um you know, her work rate, her ability to break lines, her defensive effort is, has been great. And then also her ability off the kicking tee. So for me, that like two other mentions, are, I think Menager, I think we've seen the best of her in that 13 jersey. And also I think Langy Twema had a really solid tournament, just the nuts and bolts um, for that England team. Um, but for me, it's Vernier and Sillery in the centres department. Okay, yeah, not to, I agree with you with that. Langy needed to to get a foothold back in this squad, and I think she she did that with just, as you say, really really tight nuts and bolts performances. Uh, but Sillery, uh, uh, yeah, I don't I I, I don't disagree. Um, yeah, decent with the boot, wasn't she? Um, carries well, virtually played every every single minute of this Six Nations um, as well. Okay, Fernier and Solari uh, is our centre partnership. Back three then. Who's non-negotiable? 
Abby Dow. Okay. She's probably like, mm, yeah, my the best man. in the world right now. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Where do you play her, though? That depends wing. on who on the wing. Yeah, it's her best position. And this is a podcast, so you're listening. But the stern look <laughs> that Rachel Burr was just giving best position is on the whip. Yeah, we're not debating that. Yeah, no, I think I think she's a wonderful fullback, but I think Happy Times on the wing myself. <laughs> right, okay. Um fullback, I thought Lauren Delaney needs a, a mention. I thought she played well for Ireland. Um, but for me, it's Chloe Rowley. I think the spark of excitement that she can bring is just so good. Yeah, agreed. Wonderfully gifted player. Just going to throw it, Dinka. She's a winger, not fullback. Yeah, but this is my whole conversation. I've got Dinka, and Jens has to have a mention. Try yeah. scoring a little machine. So I was inclined to put those two on the wings and doubt fullback. Ooh. But now I've just had the deaths there. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I'm on the death star after me. Um, but I think, like, th- again, this is where I look at this and I think, you know, with what Chloe Rowley gets in a game, has a time on ball, she always beats defenders, always goes forward. She's scored in most of the games. She's, I think she's just phenomenal. And I think she has to be in this team. That's as strong a case as you're, you're, you're going to get. Um, you know, um, what you three three tries in there, Ireland, Wales, uh, and one against England as, as well. In terms of meterage, yeah, huge amount of meters made. 156 against England. That's phenomenal. Over 120 against Italy, over 100 against Wales and Ireland uh, as well. Okay. Go Rolly at fullback. Who's the other wing then? Well, I've got, how do you pronounce it, Lorenz? More of a Y, Yoens. Lorenz. Yoens. 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 Um, I've got her down because I think she grew for that tournament. She was consistent. And I love Dinka and I'm excited about the future of her. But we only saw that really come into effect in a couple of games. Um we actually spoke about it last year, didn't we? And we were as excited about it. She's coming on at 12. Um, cool, we haven't even mentioned Rigoni. Um, but, yeah, she, I think, future, I'm excited for her. But I'm not sure she's our team of the year just yet. Really? So I'm strongly, strongly on her side rather than uh, Mel Yines. Really? Um, well, look, I comp- you compromise. She only played three games. She only played three games. You know, a couple of tries against Wales and one against Scotland. Um, that was a worldie. Anyway, I, I, I've forced you into Chloe Rowley, so I'm happy to take Dinka to be on the wing. Check. Lovely. There is our team of the Six Nations then, or certainly Perth tonight. Grenadian Perth at, uh, from Wales at Loosehead, Lana Skeldon. And Sarah Byrne, Scotland and England. George Evans from Wales. And Zoe Allcroft, Red Rose in the second row. Alex Cullen, another Welsh. There at six. Marty Packer at seven. Escudo at eight. Bordeaux and Aitchen are your halfbacks. Dow, 
Dinker and Roddy. The back three, Vernier and Sillery in the midfield. I'm Jill Burns and you're listening to the wonderful Women's Rugby Pod. Finish up with some shout-outs then, Berth. How good is this, Jody Onsley? So I don't know why my voice went really high there, but it's just a lot of the people who listen to this probably won't remember the Gladiators. YouTube it. It was brilliant. Gladiators. Contenders ready. Gladiators ready. See me. She's going on as Fury. How cool yeah. is that? I mean, the whole story's so cool. Like her dad was a gladiator. There's pictures of her in the crowd with her mum holding up. It's just like such a wholesome um, story and Jodie if you haven't had a look go and look on her Instagram because she's put up some videos of her practicing the rings and stuff with her dad so it's so so good for her I, I'm literally buzzing that the fact that she's going to be a gladiator which I loved watching her watching growing up on a Saturday night while my dad was still in the rugby club drinking and chatting after a rugby game I was glued to the TV watching gladiators so I'm mega excited for it yeah and could not happen to a nicer person she is Absolute gold is uh, Jody. So yeah, we'll be cheering you on, Fury. Yep, and we say goodbye to a few legends within the game. Carol Thomas retired. So did Jesse Trumulet and also Sarah Baratin. All leaving the game, but I'm sure we'll see them crop up. Yeah, thank you for all you've done for the game. Just to hear what a talented player Carol Thomas can concentrate on motherhood. Sarah Baratin. Not quite sure. She said she was gone after the World Cup. She's back for this Six Nations. So um, who quite knows? But uh, anyway, yeah. Well done. And big up to you three as well. And uh, shout out as well to Josie Plant from Perrinporth RFC. Beautiful spot in the world. Uh, super proud after she was selected for England under 18s. If you don't already, do subscribe. Hit five stars. Uh, big thank you once again to everyone who came to the, the live pod. Friday night it does encourage us to to go and do some more of those berth because it's uh, it, it's great fun and there's fabulous interaction with the crowd so do keep an eye on um, potentially some more of those coming around thanks to Vicky and Tom in the background and that's it berth for another week until next time stay safe goodbye be kind be happy Bye then. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. I love scotch. See you soon. Bye. (laughs) You're going to get the last word. (laughs) 